0: You know, I think you have to be a salesman when you're you're a coach. You have to be able to um, talk about the good of the whole, but you have to be able to convince them that this is something that's good for the team.
1: That, my friends, is the all-time winningest NBA coach, Phil Jackson. Miss Jackson, if you're nasty. And he'll be giving us championship-level advice on today's Super U podcast. So let's go, go, go.
0: It's one small step for man. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. choose to go to
1: the moon, not because they are easy, but because they I are I have hard. a dream.
0: You can't handle the truth.
1: Seven. Six. Five. Four. Three. Two. One. super, 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 super you. Thank you for joining us for today's Super U Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Quammen. Most of you know me as Equal Man. This is a podcast designed to unlock and unleash that superpower that's within all of us. We just need the courage to wear the cape. So my hope is these tips, the advice from all these thought leaders, from all these successful people, give us that advantage out there. Gives us the ability to wear that cape, to step into our true self, to step into that superpower that we've been given. So today, we have Phil Jackson. He's the NBA's all-time winningest coach. Before I get into his bio, a little brush with Phil. As some of you might know, I played basketball at Michigan State University. For those that play the drinking game of when I mentioned I played basketball at Michigan State, it's an early drink for you on this podcast today. But the Bulls, so Jackson was a coach of the Chicago Bulls. And the Bulls, Michael Jordan, we've got Dennis Rodman. We've got Scottie Pippen. We've got one of my former teammates that played and won a ring with them, Matt Stegenius. So shout out to Matt. But they were doing an exhibition game at the Breslin Center, which is where we practiced. And my teammate and I did not like Michael Jordan. We were Pistons fans. We were Detroit Pistons fans, true and true. Bad boys, those Piston teams, those bad boys. And so we were kind of bagging on Jordan, and we were in the equipment room getting— we drop off our equipment to get washed, and so there's a cutout. It's all cement, this room, except for there's a cutout so where the, uh, the equipment manager can stick their head out. So we can't see that Jordan is on the other side of this wall. And we're, we're talking trash, right? My, my teammate and I are going, gosh, Jordan, he acts like he's hurt, and but then all of a sudden he's fine on the offensive end, but he acts like his ankle's hurting if his guy's blowing by him. And so we're dogging on Jordan. And then all of a sudden, Jordan sticks his head in, and we're like, oh, gosh, you should have seen the look on our faces. And he gives a little smirk, and he just looks at us and goes, hey, hey fellas, can you tell me, are those the little college balls that you play with, or are those the NBA balls that I play with? Let me know which balls they are. And he just had this, like, that he smiles a little bit, and the only way Jordan can, he walks off. So... Pretty funny stuff, pretty embarrassing at the time for, for my teammate and I. That's how we were introduced uh, to Mr. Jordan. But Phil Jackson is going to give us some championship-level advice. For those that don't know Phil, you might know him from his coaching career, but he played 12th season in the NBA, winning an NBA championship with the New York Knicks in 1970 and 1973. He was the head coach of the Bulls, and he led them to six championships, and then he coached the Lakers uh, with the late and great Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal on those teams. And so Jackson's 11 NBA titles as a coach surpassed the previous record of nine set by Red Auerbach. So we're to get some great championship-level advice today on the Super U Podcast. It's all made possible by Amazon Prime. I don't know about you, but I've got one of those smiling boxes at my doorstep each and every day. It saves me so much time and hassle. The great thing is when I get something, I order it, it's the wrong size, I send it back and it's so painless. It's so painless. So thank you, Amazon Prime. And now some championship insights from the all-time winningest NBA coach, Phil Jackson on the Super U Podcast. Coach Jackson. You're the all-time winningest NBA coach, but you're as well known for your different philosophy or your different approach to coaching, a very serious league like the NBA, and you credit a lot of your philosophy to a book called Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, which a lot of our listeners are familiar with. But what they might not be familiar with is you often handed that book and other types of philosophy books out to your players. Can you unpack that a little bit?
0: you know i think you have to be a salesman when you're you're a coach you have to be able to um talk about the good of the whole but you have to be able to convince them that this is something that's good for the team Mm -hmm. maybe it's not just good for one person and i think a lot of coaches coach because it's good for one person and because that person's where they put all their trust in and i think when the players know that hey it's not just about you know, getting Michael Jordan the ball 25 times a game so that he can score 35, 40 points. It's about this team having the best, you know, feel mm-hmm. about it. Players seem to play a lot better if they can touch the ball and if they can have a chance to shoot once in a while, even if they're, you know, we're not there.
1: All right, double-clicking on that a little bit more, when it comes to a league like the NBA or when it comes to big business or small business, entrepreneurship. How much does mindfulness play a role?
0: talked about mindfulness as being, you know, as much as we pump iron and we run to build our strength up, we need to build our mental strength up. We need to build our mental strength so we can focus, so we can get one-pointed attention, and so that we can be in concert with one another in times of need. There was, a, there was hiccups along the way, without a doubt. But as far as, as being willing learners with an open mind they're they're very accommodating for me and i'm very gracious and glad about
1: that in sports just like in life we're going to have our highs we're going to have our lows we're going to have our wins we're going to have our losses do you have any suggestions or learnings on how we deal with that balance between the winning and that losing in
0: sports there are a lot of teaching moments where players are either on the high side or maybe on the low side of what has happened on the court. And as a coach you can always kind of bring them right back to the middle road. That was mm-hmm. kind of what my process was, is to make sure that there's not too high or not too low a standing. Nothing's going to be that bad and nothing's that great in basketball. You're only a success for the moment you do a successful act. So these acts have to be repeated all the time. So your exuberance about one successful act or one successful game or one successful season is only a success at that time. You've got to repeat it or you got to do the same thing again and again and again.
1: You're well known for running Tech's winner's offense, the triangle offense, which really relies on a lot of freedom. So you're not a control freak as a coach, that it has a lot to do with reading the situation, going with the flow, going with intuition rather than, hey, you need to be in spot A at this moment in time. So it's more of a fluid approach, which obviously proved very successful for your teams, both at Chicago and also LA. In life, do you think that's important to have that intuition? Not only have the intuition, but have the guts to go with it. A lot
0: of it's intuitive who is it, Indy Jones, who's in one of his, uh, Indiana Jones, one of his films, Steven Spielberg, guy, you know, was asked, what are we going to do next? And he says, I don't know, I'm just going by feel here. And that's, that's kind of the way it is at times that you have to follow your intuitive nature. It's about uh, being attuned to your inner voice and being at peace with it. And in doing so, Learning to lead from the inside out—you don't learn leadership skills, I think, from other people. I've gotten a lot of books sent to me about leadership. I think management in, uh, has a you know loads of books about leadership that people read, and they ha- they can pick up ideas from those. But if you're not authentic or who you really are, people see through that pretty quickly, and especially ballplayers
1: in sports and in business. Success is really predicated a lot on two things. It's having the right people on the bus and then also putting people in the right seat. And then you as the driver of this bus, the coach, the CEO, the entrepreneur, the founder, it's trying to figure out where that person sits on the bus. How do you play to that person's strength? How do you do that? It's really hard, but how do you assimilate not only the team on the bus, but let's... that's sometimes beyond your control. A GM can do that. Your HR department might do that. But let's dig into the second part, which is how do you find the right seat on the bus for that person? How do you play to an individual's strength that helps the entire team?
0: We always have this statement, you can't change the spots on a leopard. That As much as you want a player that shows some talent to do something you want to do on your team, you have to look at what he really is and what it's really about. And use his attributes for what it is. And so that was a lesson learned early on in my, my career. And I, I was happy to to learn that because that's one of the things that everybody as a coach thinks that my coaching will help this guy around along a whole lot. But a lot of times it's about what can he do inside of, what is his skills that can fit inside of our team frame, frame, framework that is going to help him. And how could he manifest his best skills when he does that, when he submits to the system and learns how to play?
1: I am proud to admit I am a Detroit Lions fan, a lifer. And in my life, they have only won one playoff game. They are one of only four teams to have not made the Super Bowl. So... All you listeners out there, feel free to email me, equalman at equalman.com. Not only with your questions, but if you know the four other, the four total teams that have never made the Super Bowl, I gave you one, so now you have to just answer three. But the Lions right now, a lot of fans of the Lions are saying, lose, 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 get that number one pick. But that can be habit-forming, losing, just as the converse of that is winning can be habit-forming. So my thought is, one, you don't know if that number one pick is going to be any good, if that quarterback is going to turn out. But you do know if you develop a culture of winning, that that becomes habitual. It becomes a habit. I strongly believe that. So as a Lions fan, although you might go, oh, that's just ruined our draft position. We're not going to make the playoffs. Why are you winning that game? Let's get a better pick. I think that you just have to start somewhere to develop that culture of winning. So do you mind unpacking how do you develop that habit, that culture of winning?
0: And so as the youngest child, I had to really scurry to kind of meet up with older brothers and a mother who was very competitive. Um, It's always a joke around the family that, you know, when you play the memory game, you know, with those little cards that you turn over that you, you know, Mm -hmm. that my mom would beat four-year-old kids because she was so competitive. But. It was kind of it was kind of bred in this competitive nature, and um, as a process, things. I was always on winning teams, a successful um, athlete growing up, and I was very fortunate to to enjoy that. And it wasn't until my last years in the NBA that I went to the New Jersey Nets for a couple of years and was on losing teams. So it, it was a it was a great run for me, um, both in that nature. And to be honest with you, I wasn't the best player. I wasn't even a starter a lot of times. I did start 80 games or so in my career. But I was just fortunate to be in winning situations. And I think that winning becomes like habitual, and it becomes a motivating factor. When you win, you get a taste for it, and you want to continue to do it. And anything less than that, is a failure
1: not to dwell on the line it's not a therapy session for me i, I swear but how important is optimism how important is goodwill uh, as we close things up here like how do we wrap things up the importance of of optimism the importance of positivity the importance of goodwill and winning
0: you know you think about a battle guy goes out it's raining that day wow everything goes to pot you know you just all your plan is changed and directly you're dealing with mud instead of you know whatever all these things that can go wrong in a you know battle plan um and that's kind of the way it is in in sports in a lot of ways too that all these things have to kind of work together to flow and i used to get letters a lot from retired well nuns from their retirement home and about, we're praying for you. And we watch the games. There are 12 of us here in this community. This is one group that uh, wrote me and I was like, oh, wow. You don't understand how much I covet prayer. That (laughs) the fact that people want you to succeed is such a big part of what you do. And when I came to LA uh, and I go to Whole Foods or whatever, grocery store, people come up and tell me, I'm so glad you came. I'm so glad that you decided to come and coach the Lakers. And I was like, wow, with a, that kind of a feeling, we have to be successful. It's just, there's just so much goodwill flowing our way.
1: Well, that's a good one to wrap up on. Start spreading that goodwill out there. I know you are. I know you are because you guys send us positive, positive notes. And thanks for giving us all those five star reviews. It helps people discover this show and podcast and and that's really important because there might be someone out there that's going through dark times and this show is really designed to let them know that you've been given a gift you've got it in you you've got that superpower just put on that cape and i know sometimes it's hard it's hard that cape might be at the dry cleaner we don't feel like ironing that cape or you just don't have the energy to put that cape on but it's really understanding that that we're all in this together we're a community so again thank you for being part of this community And my hope is these tips from Phil Jackson. He's the winningest championship-wise. He's won 11 NBA titles, more than anyone in the history of this planet. So many consider him the GOAT. And people always ask me, what the heck's the GOAT? It stands for the greatest of all time. So that's when people say he or she is the GOAT, greatest of all time. People argue, oh, we had Michael Jordan. He had Kobe Bryant. He had Shaquille O'Neal. Well, get this. Those teams all had those players before Phil got there, and they didn't win a lot. And when he got there... They won a lot of championships. So what's the difference? It was probably a lot to do with Mr. Phil Jackson. And the success of this podcast has a lot to do with you, the listeners. So thank you so much. And, of course, it has a lot to do with our great producers here, from Maritza Gutierrez, Jake Brin, and also Kelsey Gomez. But thank you so much for tuning in to this week's podcast, the Super U Podcast. I'm your host, Equal Man. Reminding all of us, we're all superheroes. We just need that courage to wear the cape. And we need to remind ourselves it's not what we take from the world, it is what we leave behind. Seven, seven six, five, four, three, two, one. Super, 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 super you.